You're listening to James and Dave. This is Static. And uh, a weird intro. That was um, a band called Fontaine's DC, who uh, Davey Boy got me onto. Um, and they're uh, from, I guess, from Ireland, I'm, I'm thinking. Um, yeah. But definitely, like, it's so strange. It's like post-punk, but I absolutely bloody love it. So thank you for showing me, Davey. Oh no worries. They've uh, they've done some wild stuff. I remember the first album that they dropped is very just like alt alt, alt rock punky kind of pretty minimalist almost. Um, very repetitive in a good way. Mm. Think of uh, the boys in the better land. And then, yeah, they, they came out with an album shortly after that, which was weird as. And then they came out with this one, which is also quite weird. Yeah. It's delightful. I, I love the the vocalist's, I guess, performance. It's just, I don't know. It's not, not typical. And, like, I think if you were to hear that, like, if you heard that in a pub, you'd probably walk past and go, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, I don't know, it's grown on me so much. Same. So good. Very much same. And the fact that it's got that, like, they're a post-punk band, but they've got, like, the choir in the background of that song, like, absolutely just, like, blew my mind. And, it, you know, you crank it in the car with, like, a good set of speakers and that, like, choir and the reverb just, like, really, oh, it satisfies oh, yeah. the soul when you've just, like, got the volume turned up, you know, to near max. But the, um, the production quality is definitely there so good yeah that song uh i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation but it is a song <laughs> called in uh godio which is irish or welsh for um forever in our hearts and it was written um and titled that as a protest um the uk government or the england government had um a couple of years ago a irish lady passed away and um she or her family wanted this, you know, on her tombstone that I don't, I'm not going to try and say it again, <laughs> but, um, and it essentially means forever in our hearts, but the government or the council said, no, that's way too political. And it's like, are you, are you kidding me? And they're like, no. So Fuck. the band, uh, being from uh, Ireland, they, um, they released this as the opening track to their latest album. And it's just, ah, uh, um, it's really, I was going to use the word um, ethereal, which is uh, <laughs> one of our friend's old bands. Oh, wait, hang on. No, no, no. Ethereal? Or ethereal? Think, no, no, no. Oh, wait, are we thinking of euphony? <sighs> oh, no, it was the song called Ethereal by Euphony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no. right. Because it was, it, like, the word is ethereal. Mm. But he was like ethereal or something. Okay. <laughs> well, I was trying to use I'll that to, as a. I mean, you could ask him. You live with him at the moment, but I was trying yeah. to use that as a little <laughs> yeah. segue into. Uh, we're not in the same room at the moment, if you haven't been able to tell already. But you are listening to Static with James and Dave, um, our podcast where we talk absolute garbage and I don't know some people listen, um, which we really appreciate. Some people listen, um, and before we delve into today's episode and what Davey's been up to down in uh, Smelburn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I actually want to say uh, thank you to everyone who does listen. I've looked at the like statistics on um, we upload with uh, Anchor, um, who's now owned by Spotify, and there's actually a fair few people like from just random countries across the world. So I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to like and subscribe or any of that, you know, horseshit. Um, but yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> don't even don't even try to do that. Just listen when you remember. Yeah. Just do that. Um, but if you do uh, really like one particular episode, just share it with your mum, or um, <laughs> yeah, or yeah. you know maybe one of your good mates, um, and you're just like, hey man, like you're gonna, I don't know, you might hate this, but you might just fucking love it. I don't know, give it a shot. But um, or, or, or my my recommendation is if you've ever got a like access to a public Bluetooth speaker, or you notice that somewhere's using a uh, like a Google Home Mini or an Amazon thing, <laughs> just yes. just tell it to play stack. Yeah. Oh, mine's going off too. <laughs> <laughs> so, what we're saying is, if you walk into um, a JB Hi-Fi and they've got you know twenty Bluetooth speakers, well, you just connect and you just play us. And um, <laughs> I just want to say hello to all the JB Hi-Fi workers out there listening to our voices right now. Um, now or in 200 years when the podcast is still existing, but we're not. Yeah, when our overlords are JB Hi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd live in a world that was run by JB Hi-Fi. Think of all the, like, the bargains. All the bargains. Yeah. <laughs> all the... It'd be quite organized. It'd have a good color scheme. Mm. Bright yellow. Mm, maybe we should give JB Hi-Fi the chance. Yeah. Um, well, we're recording this uh, two weeks after the federal election um, has happened. So maybe we should have voted in JB Hi-Fi instead of the uh, Labor government. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I feel like with, uh, with the turnaround JB Hi-Fi usually has, we might see some changes by now. Mm. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing. I like watching um, people who say, like, vote for Labour because the second Labour gets in, they're the people to be like, nah, they're not good enough. We need to push them. And it's this beautiful, supportive, like, I'm pinned against the wall attitude. It's like, look, I don't want to vote for Labour, but you got to vote for Labour. And then when they get in, just grill them. <laughs> Just absolutely push them to be better. Yeah, look, it, it didn't really matter who won the election because there's always going to be faults that um, you know the government would do, whether it's just an innocent like slip up at a press conference or if it's a, a major sort of you know debacle. When when a, like you get into power, it just seems that every mistake you make is picked up on and just like you're hounded by the media, you're grilled by the people on social media. You can't win. No. No. So it's um top tip, yeah, don't run for politics. No. Um it sounds tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think of um anything worse to do. But then having said that, like yeah, you definitely have to be a type of person to want to be involved in that. Um mm. and I don't know whether those types of people are the best people to be in that position. But then look at me. I'm not going to do anything. I'm, I'm just going to sit back and have a whinge about it. Yeah. Look, the <laughs> I, something I've talked about on the podcast before is um, I was 
uh, one of the sort of like student representatives in the like uni uh, council. So we would like vote on different things. We sort of ran the like, um, <laughs> my brain would be like, oh, we ran the tuck shop. But um, we kind of did. We, we owned the little uh, business that um, had like all the goodies and um, and a couple of other sites on campus. So we had some like, you know, fairly big things to vote on and stuff like that every um, every month or two. And the people that get really passionate about uni politics are the same people that are going to become career politicians. And if what I've seen in my days in uni politics is, uh, you know, just a little window into, you know, sort of the big leagues in 20 years' time, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> please, Jesus, please save us. <laughs> yeah, it's... uh very much a it's a it's a fame and power game it seems just becomes uh, like um, a circus i know that you know people um you know talk about parliament and they're just like oh it's a circus but it you see some some of these like people and how they act and you're just like mate you you're in your 40s like <laughs> come on just smarten up and you know just kind of Tone it down a little bit. You're meant to be representing people, not your, you know, own fucking ego. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. I, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. And I'll, I'll, this is the the hill I will die on. Um, hu- humans really weren't built to operate on such a large scale. Like it just, I don't know. It's weird. It works, but it doesn't. Mm. Like it's the the mechanisms and the behaviors that we use they make sense when you've got like a group of say 50 people max but you start getting into the thousands and all of a sudden our behaviors make no sense yeah so many like instinctual things um and the more you know um for anyone that's just tuning in as their first ever show dave and i are psychologists in australia and um, personally, and I, I don't know if you're the same, Dave, but the more I've learned about psychology, the more I realize that we're just these little terrible computers that just don't work very well on this large scale. Yes, yes, I 100%. I think, you know, oftentimes we barely work on a small scale. Um, but yeah, like we are very very fiddly little computers and it doesn't take much to to throw things out yeah and i i think my most recent expedition has been a a great example of that yeah Um, tell us a little bit about your trip down to melbourne how's it been what's it like how you been coping so my (laughs) my little venture down to melbourne uh it's 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 weird it's a mixed bag it is a very mixed bag so um i what did i do i left at 9 15 on a wednesday uh drove and drove and drove through rain the whole time um so on that wednesday or technically the thursday at 1am got to goldburn and pulled up and had a nap and then got up around six or seven and drove the rest of the way to, to Melbourne. Um, the plan was to like stop along the way and camp and all the rest, but I was just like, ah, it's raining. It's 
you know, not going to be very good. I'll just get down there and chill out when I get there. But it's been a real shock to my routine. Um, it's very cold. Uh, I don't have my same little, like, gym and, like, I guess social uh, routines that I normally would. And so my little uh, faulty computer of a, of a body is, like, having a rough go at it. It's like, I think the first couple of days I slept for, like, 10, 12 hours and I'm still sleeping for about 12, uh, 10 hours every night and like getting up and not knowing what to do. And it's, it's weird. Like working as a psychologist, I've always thought to myself, like, you know, I can, I can give you a rundown of how to change your behaviors to give you the best chance to kind of pull yourself out of depression. I've always thought, can you do it the opposite way? <laughs> can you force yourself into a really dark place if you do like do the exact opposite of those behaviors, you know? And I think like <laughs> this little trip has been a weird example of that. Like I've been eating like garbage, sleeping like garbage, um, not going outside, not exercising. And it's like, yeah, my mental health has plummeted. So don't get me wrong. I've had my good days. And those are the days when I post my Instagram stories and make everything look real happy. <laughs> Which is where we should challenge the norm of, you know, because we only ever post things when we're doing good, you know, big fun life things. But we should also post on the sad days. We don't want to be that, you know, person from high school that we have on Facebook that's like, always you know every second day talking about how negative it is and they they're you know looking for people to reach out to them but they're not actually making any active positive changes in their life um not naming any <laughs> names um but <laughs> but like it, i think it's totally it'd be a really good thing to, for people to show the normal um you know the neutral days but also the bad days like the days where you just wake up in a funk and nothing really like pulls you out of it you know, you, you have the cup of coffee and, you know, someone in the office has that uh, mug where it's like, don't talk to me before I've had my cup of coffee. And you're just like, don't talk to me after I've had my cup of coffee and stop wearing the, uh, wearing that shirt. <laughs> stop using that mug. Yeah. <laughs> don't talk to me ever and take a mediocre humor. <laughs> yeah, I, I find like, um, I, I, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, um, you know, when I chat to people, um, and they ask about my trip. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's great. You know, whatever. And they're like, oh, you know, that must be so much fun. And, you know, congrats on you for doing that. Um, and, and, and part of people having that view is me only posting the positive stuff, you know, and, you know, no one wants to be like, oh, how's your trip? Oh, it's, it's shit. It's garbage. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, I'm sad and I'm sleeping funny and I feel gross. Um, it's just like a real kind of halt in the conversation. Mm. And I think this is something we spoke about like a couple episodes back, like the whole idea of um, like hashtag it ain't weak to speak. And it's not necessarily that simple. It's a matter of like 
well, like I don't want to bring other people down and I, you know, I'm happy to work through this myself. Um, I don't want other people to have to deal, deal with it. But then I don't know. I, I guess it's who you speak to. Like I know, you know, you and I had a chat, you know, before this podcast so I could get out all the whinging before talking <laughs> about this. So our listeners get like a light version of the whinging. <laughs> but can I also, um, just on that note, I want to point out that, you know, not whinging, you've, you know, genuinely been going through an incredibly tough time mentally and physically your whole environment has just shifted and changed and routines and structure have just dissipated. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. always funny how, well, not funny, but it's always interesting how, you know, when we're in those dark times, our brain then starts to say, oh, I'm just having a whinge. And it really starts to invalidate <laughs> our own mental health. Like my brain does it. It's it's so normal and so common for it, but it really takes an impact. And I just want to confirm, Dave, you are not whinging. Your, uh, <laughs> you know, reasons and criticisms and thoughts and feelings are very valid. And they sound absolutely tough and, you know, like well done for pushing through but it's also okay to you know lean on someone for support yeah yeah absolutely no i appreciate that it's um it's one of those things where um i think i think we hold like both of those understandings like um i i've spoken about this before like the difference between the logical mind and the emotional mind like yeah, the logical mind knows that, you know, I've got a roof over my head and all that kind of stuff. And I, I call the logical mind like the, the grumpy old dad mind, which is, you know, you got nothing to complain about. And it's like, yeah, that's true. And But I also just feel garbage and I want to talk about that. And like, yeah, you know, part, part of the issue is that I know that things are okay physically, um, but I just feel a certain way and that's unpleasant. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, that's where it's difficult to, to speak up. But, of course, we're psychologists and we're aware of, I guess, both sides of the coin there. Yeah, and I hate when, um, like, you know, someone tells me it's happened to them or a client's talking about it when, you know, they feel anxious or they feel really sad or they feel manic or, you know, any sort of line of intense, strong, you know, uncomfortable emotion and then someone says oh you know why are you feeling like that you got a roof over your head and you got you know like dinner every day and it's just like well actually if you knew anything about maslow's hierarchy of needs you would know that um physiological safety in terms of you know food water and shelter is on the very bottom of the pyramid yeah <laughs> and you know psychological safety and well-being is way above it so of course you can have a roof over your head and still be depressed don't you invalidate me <laughs> like yeah it, yeah, it makes yeah. me it's, really uh, upset when um, people talk about their stories of invalidation because I'm just like, you don't deserve that. You are all your emotions are valid whether you have a house over your head or not, because our mental <laughs> health doesn't care if it has a house over our head or not. Yeah, and and we need to stop treating um, food and a roof over your head like luxuries. They they should be standards, you know. Um, I mean that's a that that runs deep right like this idea that people have to earn their shelter earn their food like and and they don't deserve it you know what i mean like it's a luxury it's quite a weird thing it's quite um inhumane mm. but i don't know that's 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 going to run off onto a, another tangent but, yeah 
I think yeah. I, I think that tangent could be an important one. Um, a, a literally like side tangent to the potential tangent. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, you know, the sort of food, water, and um, housing gets treated as these like you know, oh, you should be happy, but then it's also like it. Well, it is a necessity. We you know need shelter from the freezing temperatures of uh, Melbourne, the you know rainy weather of Brisbane, um, but also like food and like water having access to like clean running water isn't like it's a real luxury but it doesn't mean that you've instantly got happiness because you've got it um and the same as food you know just because you've got it doesn't also equate to feeling happy or positive or content but then also because we're in a weird time at the moment where it seems like the cost of living has just really really increased um and one little example, I just went to the shops before we um, recorded this today. And uh, I buy, because uh, of my little soy boy lactose intolerance, um, I buy my soy milk every week and it's usually $1.90 and it is now $2.30 and it's just happened overnight. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing to my soy milk? But I, um, I just, I, yeah. It's definitely, it, it's getting a lot. I went with... Um, our, our, our mate Isaac and I um, got breakfast the other day. We got two coffees, two wraps, and it was like 40 bucks. Oof. And I'm like, like what the actual fuck? Yeah. That is insane. And like, I'd already committed to it. And then I'm like tapping the pay and I'm like, why am I doing this? This is a ridiculous price for like mm. not that much food. And like, I don't know, I feel like it's not, it's not uncommon. Like, you know, you want to go to cafes and bakeries and everything, like everything's just super expensive. Um, I mean, like you and I are in a pretty privileged position where, where like we earn decent money because of our profession. Um, I can't imagine what other people are doing. Oh yeah. Like it really must be fucking putting people under stress and especially for people in like the u.s where their minimum wage is even lower than our minimum wage which is not enough yeah yeah like and again this kind of idea that you have to earn it like you have to you have to work like some ridiculous amount of hours at a minimum wage job just to get by like yeah with 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 all the advancements in technology that we've had like like, why are we still doing the same amount of shit? Like, yep. things are meant to get easier. Or I feel like things just got quicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. They just got, um, you know, a lot quicker rather than easier. Um, I was actually um, a little example of, like, the whole sort of, not only the food and, you know, cost of living crisis, but um, something we talked about before is house prices and how absolutely ridiculous they are at the moment. So I'm a bit of a, a nosy bloke and um, there's a house that's gone up for sale just um, around the corner from me. And, you know, you go on online, you, well, you see the sign pop up on the, on the front lawn and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to look it up. You look it up and you're like, okay, well, what do they want for it? Just to get a, you know, sort of a bit of a guide. Because currently my uh, p- uh, partner and a fiancé, I should say, um, and I, uh, you know, we, we want to buy a house eventually. We're renting at the moment. 
But you look at the house like prices and you're just like, oh my God, okay, this is going to be a little bit further away than we had hoped or um, we move you know, further away than we hoped. So, yeah, I was looking at this house around the corner. Um, this is like, you know, sort of semi-inner city suburbia of Brisbane. And um, there's no price on the, on the like online listing. And you have to message them. You have to contact the real yep. estate agent and you have to give them your phone number or your email address or both. So I was like, all right, F it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually email this bloke and say, oi, mate, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. I said it a little bit nicer than that, but I, I wasn't <laughs> going to spend 20 minutes writing an email to someone that like is just going to reply, you know, some absurd number and then at the bottom sent from my iPhone kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and anyway, the real estate agent comes back within like, I don't know, a couple of hours and he was just like, oh, yeah, this one will go for high nines to low ones. And I was like, that is the most wow. pretentious way I've ever heard someone say high $900,000 and low $1 million. Yeah, I, and that's a oh. bit of a fucking, that's a mind game too. High nines, low ones. Like, oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's $900,000. It's not nine point something, you know. Mm. It's not one point something. It's so weird how we talk about this like it's trivial. Oh, high nines. Bro, you're asking me to spend nearly a million dollars for a regular old house in Brisbane. Mm. What, like, why? You want to know the... Um, obviously, that made me feel pretty frustrated and defeated when he comes back and he just really minimizes the fact that it's, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not a million bloody dollars. Um when you go online, uh, you can click on the like previous listings and, you know, some sites will show you what that house has sold for, you know, since their database started collecting data. And mm. just, um, what was it? It was eight years ago that house sold for 414000 Wow. Eight years Get. and it's essentially made six hundred grand. It's like... That is bogus. That is so bogus. Oh, yeah. To then, like, like you, that person has been, like, you know, paying their mortgage, but really, like, that's just, like, a holding fee to then make a shitload of money later. Yeah. But then you also think about it, like, everyone that owns their home that I've spoken to, they're just like, oh, you know, I love these house prices going up because, you know, when I sell, I'm going to make money. I'm like... Yeah, cool. Thanks for that. But anyway, um, then you're going to have to buy something that's also ridiculously expensive. So you haven't actually made any net profit, have you? Unless you yeah, downgrade. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it is insane. Like it's just, it's going bananas. And I, I fully, fully admit to that too, as someone who's not a homeowner. It's like, yeah, I probably am just a bit salty about it. But yeah, it's I a feel great that. Point. Like, I'll admit that I'm salty yeah. about it. I definitely feel like I'm, you know, having a whinge about it because I don't own a home. But unfortunately, you know, um, a lot of people don't own homes, so it's a collective whinge, and it's a very appropriate one with how quickly this bloody growth has happened. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think it's a great point. Like you know, you sell. And you make money, but you've got to buy a house at the inflated price anyway. Um, yeah, it's just essentially locking people out. Um, 
I remember I, I saw that meme recently that was like, you know, housing should be the same rules as um, like barbecue lunches, where it's like people can only go back for seconds if everyone else has already had a plate. <laughs> I haven't seen that. That's actually brilliant. It's such such simple logic, but it works quite nicely. Obviously, you yeah. know, it makes it way too simple than, you know, the housing market is complex, but I like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, obviously there's a, there's a complicated issue here, but like, um, yeah, it, it's, it's frustrating, I think, because the people who are renting, it's not like they get the benefit of, oh, we're renting, so things are cheaper. It's mm. like, no, you, you're basically just paying off someone's mortgage. Like, yeah. How, how, how is that fair? And, and I think like the issue is, is that like, there are way too many people with portfolios that are going to get affected if, you know, the housing prices drop and, you know, they're going to kick and scream to make sure that, you know, that doesn't happen. And people are just going to stay locked out of the housing market paying rent. Yeah. I think the only people who win in this current market are the people that have had their house for many, many years. So they've made a, you know, exponential profit, but then they sell in like an inner city suburb of Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, and then they literally move to the middle of like, you know, sort of Southwest Queensland or, you know, um, the very like tippy top of the Northern Territory where house prices are a little mm. bit cheaper because, well, the supply and demand works a little bit differently over there. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's going to change a lot of um, communities, you know. I think even Brisbane is changing a little bit at the moment. Um, I, I was just with an Uber driver about this and he was so certain that, so I'd love to see his data set on this one, <laughs> but he said, car horn honking has gone up post-COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, mate, please tell me more about this. And he goes, well, I think that everyone moving from Sydney and Melbourne is bringing their car honk culture to Brisbane. <laughs> and people are honking more. And I was like, look, I'd love on it. the surface, on the surface, that sounds like I, I fully believe you. I think that is so accurate. I think. Um, I had a friend who had a hot take on this too because um, in the election, like the Greens got a lot of seats in Queensland. Mm. Their take was that it was all just people from Melbourne moving up to Brisbane and now voting to like tip the scales just that little bit. Yeah, fair. And that could make a big difference in some electorates if, um, you know, especially considering there's already been a big change where we're like, oh shit, we need to do something about the climate. Um, and then more people, you know, like move up here and then they're already Greens voters or, you know, they're more sort of climate orientated voters. So then it just pushes it even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I think like um, it's going back to what I was saying before about it changing communities. Like, you know, it's it's going to it's gonna push everyone in a certain direction. You know what I mean? Like everyone's going to get, you know, pushed pushed further out and and some small cities are going to get bigger i think brisbane's a good example of a city that's going to get a lot bigger um but yeah that's going to change like the the voting culture and it, it's quite interesting like above all above all i'd say it's interesting to think about how much things are going to change in the next decade like 
Um, but yeah, it is kind of freaky as well because it's going to be like, I feel like it's going to be quite a rapid change. Mm. Yeah, definitely. We uh, we don't often, well, actually, we try and stay away from like being political. <laughs> and then it seems to be that just we'll go on a political tangent. <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, we need to just stop trying. <laughs> I think I think by resisting it, we always tend to gravitate towards it. But you but. you saying that just reminded me of the um, Fat Boy Slim album cover from like the late nineties, early two thousands, where it's a guy with a t shirt saying, "I'm number one, so why bother trying? Try why yeah, why bother yeah. trying? Um, why try harder? Yeah, that's the one. That's a good album. That, that is a good album. album. <laughs> <laughs> I almost um. um I almost want to uh, like tee up a particular song for our outro uh, later on, and it's something to do with like the cost of living in the house. Um, you know, prices just booming, and I feel like it should be Gwen Stefani's "This Shit Is Bananas." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought you were going to suggest um, "Good Boy" and their track "Poverty Line." <laughs> oh, okay, all right. That's a you know that is a banger. That is a banger. Oh, now I'm conflicted. Do I, I, I need to do. I don't know. I'll right. figure it out before we before we finish up. Yeah, no, good call. I, I, um, I think the only thing swaying me was that if if we're gonna hear uh, Gwen Stefani, um, oh, what's it called? It's that track. Um, oh, God damn it! <laughs> You're on the spot now. I, you. I am on the spot. A thing I should mention too is that I'm quite sick at the moment. So <laughs> my yeah. brain is absolutely scattered. It's not COVID. Um, the track is What You Waiting For by uh, Gwen Stefani. Yeah, okay. Which I would say is is, is peak Gwen. Uh, but yeah, this shit is bananas is also really good. That's fair. I'll, I'll, I'll have a think and I'll, um, I'll figure it out. We'll see. Bit of a surprise. <laughs> yes. Well, Bit of a surprise. There's uh there's been a lot happening in uh in your life, Dave, and a lot happening on the you know more sort of world stage as well. It's definitely I've noticed in like people I talk to, friends, but also like clients that you know we have a lot going on in our own personal lives, but then because there's so much happening at a global level or a um like national level, it's just absolutely draining. And you know our mental health is all you know kind of at this point where we're just like, oh my God, can we just all take a break from like drama? <laughs> mm. How do we get that break? Don't know. That's a... I, 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 I've been thinking about this quite a bit. Um, I, in the you know past, I've had clients come to me with like, um, I guess a, a strong internal locus of control where they'll explain things to me that sound a lot like you know i guess system issues you know they talk about finding work or the the job that they have like asking too much of them and not paying enough and all these things and then they go you know i need to be better i need to be more resilient i need to cope with this and oftentimes i'm like your coping mechanisms that you use already, they're, they're fine. You know, I think, you know, what's being asked of you is too much. 
it, it's a difficult difficult thing to be a psychologist in that situation because you've got someone coming to you for help but all you can really tell them is yeah shit's fucked like <laughs> professional housing yeah te- <laughs> the technical price of housing terms. is ridiculous yeah yeah, yeah. um They're things outside of know. our control yeah yeah and it's how do you how do you send someone back out the door going yeah no i have that same worry and i don't know maybe maybe go to a protest maybe chat to your local member honestly i don't know like <laughs> I, i'm struggling with like this idea of having to work ridiculous amounts of hours of, and not being able to afford a house and not being able to to, to have a family and, and all this kind of stuff like shit is insane oh yeah and i i i had this weird moment um during the week where i thought like you know I, i'm torn i think the focus on mental health in the last 10 years has been awesome it has you know meant that people talk about their issues even if people are over diagnosing it gives people a language to talk about things and a language to problem solve what they're going through even if they're not at clinical levels they can say oh that's my adhd even though it's just like a slight symptom and they might not qualify for a clinical level but the downside of this like kind of renaissance or um whatever you want to call it around mental health is that a lot of people will pathologize system level things and they'll pathologize things that are just like regular human experience and it's it's really hard because i can't help but feel like it's a weird little like um way to control people and (laughs) this is getting tinfoil hat so strap in I'm keen. Um, I'm keen. Hit me with that alfoil. <laughs> it, it feels like people's first instinct will be to blame their genetics and blame themselves. And look, the plus side of that is that they try and take control and work on themselves. That's always a good thing. But the downside is that they don't look outward when they could be, you know, to go, this is a system level problem, you know. I've been let down by the system and now the system's telling me that that's my fucking fault and I need to deal with it in my own time and pay money to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. It's uh, like, I'm not the sole uh, factor in this whole, you know, mess, but I have to be the sole factor in fixing this mess, at least for me yeah yeah and like i don't know it's um again this is something that's way outside of my control like i i try and influence it like when people come to me and they're like oh you know it's all my fault I'm like well not really um and but what i do say is regardless of whose fault it is like you can definitely do things to make your situation better but at the same time you need to not fully guilt yourself uh, you know, by saying it's all my fault, you know, yeah, definitely. deep stuff. This is, this is, this is what happens when I get a cold and I break <laughs> up my routine and, and I move 1600 kilometers away. <laughs> yeah. Fair. I get, I get philosophical and, and I, it's mad, sad boy hours, <laughs> <laughs> mad, sad, soy boy hours. 
That's that's what that I'm was about. That was a Melbourne trip. Mad sad soy boy hours. That's how my Melbourne trip was. That's fair. <laughs> that is uh, that is a book that I would read. Not that I read many books. <laughs> I was just gonna say the memoirs of Dave Mackay. <laughs> mad sad soy boy hours. We were talking before the show about how our brains do this thing where, you know, you wake up and you're like, all right, I'm going to, you know, get this done and get this done. And then you, know, you get halfway through the day and you're like, oh, I haven't done any of that. And it just feels really defeating and, you know, awful. And my brain did that this morning with, I'm going to read this book. And I get to 1 p.m. and I'm like, I have not read that book. <laughs> And it can really, you know, it makes you feel kind of worthless when you haven't been productive on, you know, a certain day. It's also important to kind of take a step back and think, well, I don't have to be productive every single day. I don't have to do things every single day. I'm allowed to have some time off because everything's effort and everything's work and I'm allowed to have a break. Yeah, yeah. I've um I've been getting better at that in some respects at least. Um, when I, here's a, here's a, is a hot tip that I've found helpful. Um, oftentimes I get stuck in the worry and maybe the anxiety of like having to get stuff done. And it's like, oh, I'm getting behind on that. And I need to do that. And I, you know, um, I'm dropping the ball here and there. And I notice that it kind of, it'll stop me in my tracks in, in quite a negative way. Um, and what I've been trying to do instead is then, so if I can't push myself to get that stuff done that I know I need to, I'll start brainstorming how I'm going to weasel out of it. <laughs> yeah, so, like you're trying to make that justification of how can I reduce the cognitive dissonance around me not doing the thing or, you know, doing a different thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and what I've found is that it leads me to reach out to people and like I'll own it. I'll be like, oh, hey, look, I'm not doing this. Um, also, is there a way for me to not do that? Like, how, how can we reach an equ equilibrium here where I'm not putting you out, but also like, I can still take my time and cause this is just, it's too much at the moment. Uh, I've found that to be pretty helpful. Like, again, most people are understanding, but if you leave yourself in that space to just freak out about it, you will 100% push yourself to like a, a breakdown cause <laughs> You'll be going off what your fear is saying and your fear will be saying, this is the worst thing in the world and you have to do it. Whereas if you actually chat to the person, chances are things will kind of get resolved and the two of you will treat it like a problem to be solved. And it's no longer your fault, but, and now there's someone on your side. Yeah. <laughs> We're really getting philosophical tonight. Oh yeah. I'm, I don't know what happened. Maybe... <laughs> What time is it? It's about five thirty. Maybe that's when my fever has peaked. I'm just getting mad. This is mad fever chat. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, it is five thirty. I um, it is actually dinner time. So I think maybe uh, we finish up there because I'm going to go uh, put some chicken skewers in the oven. Yes, I am going to go get some dirty takeout and and crash and try and drink some water. Yeah, drink water. Do the 30 minutes of exercise, get eight hours of sleep, you know, work seven hours a day or eight hours a day, interact with friends. Well, actually, you know what, Jamesy? I, I, think, I think this is a great opportunity um, for me to see what it's like if I push myself into like a solid routine from here out. So okay. this is me at 
I've fully fucked it up. <laughs> so the next podcast we can do, maybe I will have sorted out my routine, got my eating right, and then we can see what my headspace is like then. And we can do a little before and after. Empirical. I love it. <laughs> it's been good to uh, good to chat with you tonight. Um, we'll finish up on that note. I had made a decision about the song and uh, you were totally right. And I'm going to play Poverty Line by Good Boy. So <laughs> here you go. Hope everyone out there is uh, living the dream. And if not, well, we'll see you next time. 